0: Welcome again to my new friend, our new friend, Emily Floyd. When the search committee had extended our yes to Emily and were waiting for her to extend her yes back to us, she did so with a little note on her contract saying, and with joy. With joy, we receive you and look forward to uh, many years of sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth. Today begins a preaching series that I'm calling the Insight Series. The season of Epiphany is a season of growing light. It's a season of revelation. It's a season of good news coming to the Gentiles. It's a season of seeing things or being made able to see things that we couldn't see before. So each week throughout Epiphany, I will choose a word or term, concept that is rather familiar to us, like today, baptism, or communion, or prayer. and I want to offer an insight into the word or to the term or idea that perhaps we haven't considered before, and the hope is that it will enrich our lives, our understandings, perhaps change some of our lives or our understandings over these coming weeks. If I offer an insight that you already know, you get a gold star. John the Baptist questions Jesus' insistence on being baptized. John has been clear about his rationale for baptism. For years, he's been living in the wilderness and preaching fiery sermons about repentance and preparing the way of the kingdom of God. It's easy to imagine him holding court by the Jordan River with his ill-fitting camel hair jacket and his waving his sweat-stained handkerchief around, dabbing his brow and shouting, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. John makes it plain, I baptize you with water for repentance. And he says, One more powerful than I is coming after me. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. But as for me, I baptize with water for repentance. If this is the baptism that John offers, why does Jesus ask for it? To be sure John the Baptist does have it right, baptism is for repentance. Baptism marks the beginning of a changed life. At our baptism, we turn away from a, a life of rebellion against God. I remember this distinctly being part of my imagination when I was baptized as as an older child, thinking that the next day, I was going to be totally sin free. Uh, And the very next day I discovered that I was not. (laughs) But it is a turning away from a life of rebellion against God and turning toward a whole life of faithfully following Jesus. And Matthew reports that when people are flocking to John for his baptism, they come confessing their sins, and I suppose they're just doing it out loud in front of John and God and everybody, with the intent being that this is going to be the day that they change. Baptism is for changing our minds about the way we've lived. It means plainly stating how we've missed the mark, confessing our sins and then turning around and going in a new direction. At baptism, we make a public demonstration of our intention to leave behind a way of life that doesn't reflect Jesus' way of life, and then embracing the life Jesus offers. Baptism retains this meeting before John the Baptist, during John the Baptist, during Jesus' life, and his death and resurrection, and after. On the birthday of the church, Peter preaches his A-plus sermon. You remember, like, thousands were saved. Wink, wink. He says they were all cut to the heart by a sermon. And then they start asking, well, what do we do now? How do we respond? What should we do? And Peter's first words are repent and be baptized. So we know for certain that before and after John came preaching, baptism kept this meaning and still does. It is for repentance. But then why should the one who was without sin need to be baptized? The Scriptures also teach us that baptism saves us. 1 Peter 3 says, Now baptism saves you, not as a cleansing of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. But not only does Jesus not need saving, he's the one saving us, Jesus also does not need an appeal for a good conscience. Peter and other epistles tell us Jesus is our good conscience. Isn't the conscience to which we appeal in baptism the conscience of the risen Christ? Paul writes to the Philippians, Let the same mind be in you, the same conscience, the consciousness be in you as is in Jesus Christ. Baptism saves us and inaugurates in us a new consciousness. Yes, so why? does Jesus need or request this baptism? Then again, it may be that Jesus requests baptism not for the forgiveness of sins, nor for an appeal for a conscience that he already has, but as an introduction to salvation by dying and rising. As Paul later wrote about baptism to the church at Rome, we were buried with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is the the meaning of baptism that I myself have held dear for most of my life. And I share this theology and phrasing, you may be familiar, when I stand to baptize new members of our church. We baptize here by immersion In order to convey the power of death and resurrection, our immersion in the water signifies our death, death to sin, and our coming up from the water signifies our being raised to new life. Behold, everything old has become new. But I want to call attention to a different dimension of baptism whose meaning cannot be lost on us. Considering John's question of Jesus' baptism, Augustine preached that this Jesus did for an example of humility, for he shows that in the same humility and righteousness is fulfilled. Here Augustine says, the reason Jesus requests baptism from John is to show us that he had not come to Lord over us, but to be with us as Lord and to share in our humanity. This is what Paul writes to the Corinthians For our sake, God made the one to be no, who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Recognize this insight. Think of it as baptism by submersion. When we are baptized, we are not only saved and cleansed, we're also endangered and sullied. Rowan Williams says that the gathering of the baptized is a convocation of those who have accepted what it means to be in the heart of a needy, contaminated, messy world. Or to put it another way, he says, you don't go down into the waters of the Jordan without stirring up a great deal of mud. To be baptized is to be immersed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was in the beginning with God, the one who was God, the one who is God, the one in and through whom all things were made. But also, to be baptized is to be submerged in humanity, with humanity with all of its fearsome suffering and terrible dangers. Though we are immersed in a baptism for the forgiveness of sins, we're also submerged into lives of solidarity with the destitute and the disenfranchised and the prisoner and the brokenhearted. In one of the church's baptismal liturgies the congregational leader prays, send them into the world and witness to your love. And the congregation responds, Lord, hear our prayer. And during the baptism, the priest says, give them the courage to will and to persevere. So at our baptism and at the remembrance of our baptism, may we hear the Spirit asking us through the voice of the church, are you ready to go where others would rather not? Are you ready to make your home with those the world would rather be rid of? Are you ready to walk a path that is narrow and therefore more vulnerable to attack? Are you ready to submerge yourself in a risk-laden life? Then, thanks be to God, you will be submerged into the life that really is life. Not the life of the observer or the admirer. Not the life of politeness and respectability. Not the life of distancing or avoidance. But life with and others, with and for others in Jesus' name. If we are concerned about what might happen to us in such a submersion, fear not. Let's cast our cares on the one who is underwater with John. He will breathe on us. And he will give us the power to dwell with him where he already is.